Yo, it's a stupidly small podcast, Thursday, January 29. I'm Stuart Farrell, and joining me, as always, well, actually, I join her, but, you know, I start this off, so you're joining me, Lauren. Hi. I'm so confused. How are you? Well, good, 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 and it's great to be alive. Hey, uh, I'm going to stop with that positive sort of talk, because mm. it... It, it sounds like you've got a, a condition, doesn't it? If, Why? Because you're, positive, you're positive. Why? Well, I, I don't know. I put a positive... Um, this Because I was feeling chirp, chirpy on, I think, Wednesday. Yeah. No, Tuesday. Thursday yeah. Thursday. And um, I was feeling chirpy and I got up. I was in front of the computer, so I thought I'd chuck down a bit of a positive status thing on uh, Facebook. Yeah. Hey, how great is this year? And it's all kicking off and aren't we fantastic? And, yeah. Um, and then about an hour later when that mood changes and you look back... It, it does appear as though you are dosed up on some sort of, uh, you know, upper. It's funny you say that because I've been feeling like that too. I've been feeling really like, woohoo, like high on life. Mm. And if you become a bit evangelical about <laughs> – if somebody says, how are you, you go, something. so good. People are like, why? What's wrong with this person? <laughs> What's wrong with honesty when it comes to feelings? You know, like well, if you just – if you – yeah. Tend to see the world with a uh, not not a tinted view, but if you if you're happy to be critical, right? Yeah. Right. If you if you if someone says, "Man, that Bert Newton, he's the the best. He's mm-hmm. the the king of the kings," and you know, blah blah blah. And, and if, I, if I say, "Oh, but you know what? He's a bit this." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or you know, I, I send him in that, and he's a bit of the. Or, yeah. You know, or he's a, he's he's like a, he's the symbol of everything that's bad in television entertainment right. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, what's wrong with having that opinion and? With, while appreciating what Bert has done, using him as an example. There is, and here is my contention regarding uh, criticism. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And in fact, I think if healthy criticism can't be uh, undertaken in relation to like, I mean, and I'm talking healthy, constructive criticism. Yeah, not just potting. Not just like, yeah, completely hmm. tearing something down. For the sake of it. For the sake of it, yeah. to make yourself look better. Which I think is really boring and childish. Well, it's just as good as well. It's not as good. It's just the same as constant praise. Yeah, it's just as hollow as constant praise. Yeah, anyway. that's it. What's the, you know, if I, oh, it's a Kipling poem. If I, uh, no, I when I one. meet the, meet what is it? The when triumph. I, when I go to meet, meet the butcher, the butcher has the sausage. <laughs> no, if no, the no, sausage no, no. ain't no good, I'm gonna kill the friggin' butcher. That one? <laughs> Not that one, oh. no. One of his lesser-known works, that one. I'm into sort of uh, the B-sides of uh, Rudyard's uh, uh, <laughs> record collection. His, his apprentice-related work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, this is about, you know, when I, when I meet with tri- when you meet with triumph and disaster, treat both those imposters the same. So, you know, bo- both the peaks and troughs in your life, you should um, not take them too seriously. Oh, of course, because... Uh, Things change very rapidly as well. For every peak, there's a trough, and for every trough, there's a peak kind of thing. And for every boast, there's a fall. Yes. You know, and so never – and also, that you could also say then uh, treat people with kindness constantly because you never know. I mean, I think that should be the the go-to setting of every human anyway. Do you know, it's interesting because I was thinking the other day, I was talking to somebody about – you know, some drama at their work and whatever. And I was thinking most of the time when somebody's being unkind to you, mm-hmm. it's their own problem. Yeah, that's it's their own stuff. 101, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's their own stuff going on they're in reflecting. their own head. Yeah. It's got nothing. Is projecting or reflecting? Projecting. They're not reflecting. No, they're projecting. <laughs> they're projecting. I, I was very kind of you just to ignore 
my uh, lack of insight when it comes to psychiatry and just let, keep talking. You might be particularly, you might be more insightful than I about psychiatry and that might be a psychiatric well, term. They're I've reflecting. got to say something to you, Lauren. Speaking of reflecting, you are reflecting the sunshine today. You look a million bucks. Now, uh, I, I, what is it about you every Monday, Tuesday and Thursday <laughs> where I come in and I go, who is this person before me? Yes, Stu, I, um, I must admit... I, I, it is a slightly it's a slightly different thing because on Monday what is it George Monday, Monday Tuesday, Tuesday and Thursday so I far. work in an office right so by the time we get together I have I'm ready you showered which is I've showered which yeah. is usually not something that you get treated to a a post showered uh, you know dressed I have on occasion because I have to buzz you in mm-hmm. I have buzzed you in be pajamaed mm-hmm. and then run away and you've come into an empty house and sat down for a bit oh, and then I've come back out. Yeah, I walk into in the empty tracks, house quite a lot, but that's all right. In some tracky dacks. But this now, for Monday, Tuesday and Thursdays, mm-hmm. I'm ready to go. I've got my my office gear on, right? Right. Uh, I do. It is strange. Well, because you're a completely different person. The hair's combed. You've actually right. got lippy on. I'm a different person. Like, in appearance. Uh, interesting you say this. Do you feel this. different? No, no, no. Interesting you say this because my – whole life I have thought that there are two sort of ways of approaching how to look and how to dress in the world. There are people who look amazing all the time, like Mm -hmm. not a hair out of place, like that straightened sort of newsreader looking, like just men and women. Primped and preened, is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like just absolutely perfect all the time. And I have friends like this, and then and it takes them a long time to get ready. In Much the morning. like being constantly happy, that would be very hard work. I find that I think that too be so. I'd be just it'd be so unrelaxing or something. What happens if you walk into a wind? You Do know, you it's know, you versus the elements. Constantly, well, like you totally, think the world you'd be is against worried you. about things. And somebody at my work, who's a little bit like this, said to me, uh, "I get lots, <laughs> I get lots more done on Friday." She said. Mm. And I said, oh, yeah, because, like, the week's winding down and, you, like, I gave this whole thing about Friday. She goes, no, I think it's because it's casual Friday and I'm just a bit more comfortable. Wow. This is, work, this is in this your is, office job? Yeah. Well, it does, as you I mean, can I do a bit to the battle of the sexes type thing here? But oh, please don't. Mu- no, no, I'm not yeah. saying, oh, I'm not going to be yeah, stands yeah, yeah. of my name. No, please don't. Yes. But uh, I think it's a lot harder for, for women. Have you seen the spacey? Spacey Tracer, Tracy Spicer thing about uh, getting ready and rah, rah, rah. Yeah, and now she refuses to get ready or something. Is that right? Well, she's toned it down. But her point is, you know, the women, you know, in or what's her name um, in the Golden Globes, Tina Fey. Oh, yes. <laughs> Tina Fey said, uh, you know, Steve Carell took him like for eight hours to get ready or as I like to call it, preparing to be a human woman. Right, right. There does, there is a. You're right. There's a, there's a gender gap there. But I have always wondered in the two people thing. So there are the people who always look immaculate mm. all the time, mm. and then there are people who look okay. You know, probably nice. But then they that look special. But then there are people like me, who look like a bit of a shambles oh. a lot of the time. No, continue. Well, slightly a bit like so. For instance, my ca- my usual 
sort of how I would would dress for work would be for Casual Friday. Like mm. I don't change anything for Casual Friday. I look exactly No, I was going to say, what do you wear on Casual Friday? Like, is that why they don't put you on on Fridays? You know, no pyjamas in the office or? Anyway, point is right. uh, that I've always thought, you know what though? There is, a, there is a perk to doing it my way. And that is that as soon as you brush your hair... <laughs> Everybody goes, Whoa. you look amazing. Who's that? <laughs> what have you done? Can I say, you know, you, you were saying it's harder for, <clears throat> or women do tend to go uh, harder on, you know, the primping and preening. Mm-hmm. At least you've got more options. So if I oh, was this to is have the, to, This is the age-old mm, argument. No, no, but blokes. if I was to have to snaz up. I don't right, you have it, a choice with a suit. It, well, I'd, I'd, yeah, but, yeah. but then heard if you've got a body like mine. Right. <laughs> um. <laughs> That is not sort of suited to a suit. You're stuffed. Oh, right. You know? Yeah. I don't think I'm suited to a suit. I turn any of nothing I've spoken about this to turn any pair of pants into a set of flares. I would happily. I think I wear shorts all the time. <laughs> do you? Yeah. How do you do that? It must be a shape. <laughs> so in the, if I was, I was born That's in the funny. 70s, yeah. then had I grown up in the 70s? You know flares are back. You're fine. No, they are not back. Yeah, they are. Flares are not. You've been watching the the people twirling sticks at the traffic lights too long. No, no, no. Only hippies and no, crusties wear flares. No, there's some article in some dumb piece of crap magazine that drives me crazy, one of those rich people ones, flares are back. I don't care if flares are back. If they bring back those hip, uh, not, well, they hip-hugging things. Remember about uh, 10 years ago, especially uh, women, yeah. were getting around these jeans where they had to shave because they went down <laughs> to like their knees. They were disgusting. And they were the trend. Can you remember those? No, no, let's, you and I should never talk about fashion. We should get Mel Campbell in here or something because we don't know what we're talking about and we just hate it. Well, Mel, full stop. Mel will be back soon mm. and we've had a request that we play her Keys, Wild and Fun song. So we're going to play that at the end of the show this morning just to get you back in the working mode. But you yes. know what? Looking a million bucks is our next guest and we probably should get into that right now. Stupid. Now, Loz, it's been a feature last year that we'd have various guests wander through and we had our next guest come. He's only been on once. Mm-hmm. We thought, what a great way to start 2015 with uh, John Clark, writer, performer, and he's here with us to talk about the history of humour. Welcome, John. How do you do? Oh, quite well. How do you do? <laughs> I do very well, thank you. <laughs> very good to hear. Now, we're going to go uh, back a little bit, but we're going to mention a crew yeah, a lot of people will know out there, but you're going to give us the history of the Marx Brothers. Well, yeah, we were talking um, recently about the fact that the stage was the big go um, early in the 20th century, um, and the Marx Brothers are typical of the transition from the stage to film. Um, they how, did, t- how typical? Well, like what sort of? What do you mean typical? Well, they did their first few movies were filmed versions of their stage shows. Oh, were they? It was quite late in their cinema career when they did films that had never been seen on stage. Is that right? But they yeah. weren't... Coconuts, for example, is a stage show that the Marx Brothers did and they basically tried to film it. But made as a film, not like just them performing it to an audience and... and yes, you that's know, right. Film. They right. tried to reimagine it as right. cinema, but it's essentially the show and all the gags are the same and the roles are the same and so on. And... Um, they were a group of um, a Jewish family who'd come out from, uh, I think, originally Russia, certainly Central Europe, to America, and they were typical of a lot of people in American showbiz at the time, so that they had a whole lot of essentially European skills, music skills, theatrical a- skills, 
acrobatic, yeah, all that. Yeah, tons of that. And they each had a character. Harpo's character didn't talk. Um, uh, Chico's character pretended to be an Italian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Groucho's character was a total scoundrel. Yeah. Um, Etc. And they had some other brothers who drifted in and out of this Zeppo and Gummo. And, yeah. And they were, they pre, I must say, they predate feminism somewhat. <laughs> they had a relatively unreconstructed view uh, of women. Yes. Women were either monstrous or foolish or very attractive. Yeah. Um, and they did these stage shows, which were huge. And cinema at this time was getting people from the stage and approaching them to come and do films. There were plenty of them. Um, Chaplin was on stage first. W.C. Fields was on stage first. These people were attracted into huge stage shows. Can I ask you, just you say huge, like as a comparison to the this you know the current day. Like mm. what what would a Marx Brothers show attract? Like do you know in so it's like size of the theatre, size of the audience? Huge, huge theatre, very general public. The People in America were getting a little bit richer and it was what, I suppose what marketing people would call it was a small luxury. Mm-hmm. It didn't cost you a lot, but it was a bit special. Mm. Um, so it was a treat. Um, and you would often go to the theatre and you wouldn't see one of these things. You'd see all of them. The show would sometimes, Ziegfeld Follies, for example, had several of them. So it's like... Uh, the the big day out of comedy or, yeah. or touring acts, like you'd have a few different things on the same bill, is that That's what you right. mean? Right. Mm. And in the Ziegfeld Follies case, very nearly naked ladies. Oh, hello. So, <laughs> so the comedians were necessary in order to pretend that that wasn't the case. I see. <laughs> so you'd get a juggler or a comedian and stuff. And then wheel out the near naked ladies. That's right. Right. And call it art, call it entertainment. So did the Marx Brothers, did their transi- was their transition to film considered successful? Yeah, very successful. And um, perhaps the reason for the success was that the act was already terribly well worked out. The characters were beautifully delineated. Yeah. And we expected, in some cases, them to do the same thing each time. I mean, in a Marx Brothers movie, if you walk past a piano, you know that at some stage in the film the piano is going to be blown up and the frame will be taken by Harpo and turned into a harp, which he will play for about an hour. Yes. Um, while other people run around at the back. Yeah. Um, and, but they got very good writers. The Marx Brothers worked with very good writers and the writers eased them out of doing stuff that was limited by the mechanics of the stage and put them into... I mean, there's a film called The Big Store, which I saw when I was a kid and was completely enchanted by, and I can't remember anything about it except there's a huge sequence in which people are rolling, roller skating through an enormous shop. Yeah. No one knows why. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. They're on top of shelves. They're on the floor. They go upstairs. They go and lifts. Every permutation of being in a shop on roller skates is explored. It's because they could. <laughs> because they could. Yeah. Exactly. So... So the plot there would have been get them into the shop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and get them out. Right. At the end. Yeah. And, um, and Harpo said nothing and Groucho had great lines and so on. Now, these things were terribly well worked out. They were miles more sophisticated in film than they were on stage. And a lot of them, there's a bit of music in each of them. Chico plays the piano every time. Harpo plays the harp. Groucho even plays the guitar and sings in a few things and... He's good. Right, yeah. He's good. And um, they had 
very few, very little need for other people in their films. So I don't imagine they were terribly expensive. You mentioned the roller skates in the shop and they just did it because they could. Are there any Mark Brothers films that actually do have a, a narrative of any sort of type they, at all? Like, or is it just theirs so have, they can I do they, gags? Well, I, I think I might be wrong because... Now you ask a question, I'm not really prepared for the exams, but my memory is that <laughs> that they have themes rather than... Stories. They have settings, yes. Yeah. So one of them's at the races, one of them's Groucho's running a university, so it's mm. all in the university. Um, so they have a sort of setting. And then and what a, happens within that? reasonably flimsy in the plot area, <laughs> but the scenes are excellent. And the lines are pretty good. I mean, I remember one which I saw when I was a kid where... Some people come in and the, uh, the Marx Brothers come in and somebody's have, two blokes are having a fight and Groucho says, hey, you big bully, stop hitting that little bully. <laughs> I thought, oh, I like this, this is good. And there's only one, you know, there's only one marble being moved there. Yeah. So that's writing. So there is some sort of, sort of writing happening on the non-plot level. There is, um, but you have to... It's very difficult to write for Harpo, for example. He mm. needs to be brilliant. Right. And he is brilliant. Yeah. Um, you can write for Groucho, um, and lots of people did. Yeah. And a lot of the intellectual community worldwide were enchanted by Groucho because he seemed to be so clever and wise. And by contrast with essentially some circus activity that was going on in the background, <laughs> <laughs> he was very, very... Funny, and so it was had, it was an the ensemble. World was a bit of a madhouse, and yes, here was an ensemble madhouse. So right. maybe it was, there was a metaphor for what seemed to be going on in the world. Did they write for themselves? Like, was <clears throat> I suppose um, early they must have done a bit, but in the films, well, they had a very sort of archetypal stage mother called Minnie, who rammed the first few shows together by forcing them to do the thing. You're good at that. Go and do that. You're good at this. Go and do this. But as the shows got more and more sophisticated, they got better and better writers. Perelman and, I mean, famous writers wrote for them. Um, uh, I don't know quite how the writing processes worked and I'm sure they also did write for themselves. I mean, if, you want to, if you're going on a cruise, go and buy a book called um, The Groucho Letters, mm -hmm. which is Groucho Marx's letters to people. Any to his mother, do you know? Uh, don't think so. No, I don't. Um, but to his mates. Yeah, right. Uh, and they're very, very, very funny. And some of them are too interesting. You know, T.S. Eliot and people who wrote fan letters to Groucho Marx. But the, the other thing was the rise of film. The stage was at its peak when they were doing stage and film was getting bigger when they were doing film. Um, a couple of film stars who objected to the big studios, started their own studio called United Artists. Well, look, before we wrap it up with you today, John, I should ask you, do you have one particular Marx Brothers film that does stand up above the rest for you? Um, I can't remember the names properly, but I do think the skating scene in the big store is one of the funniest things I have ever seen. Um, I, I, the one in the university is very, very funny because it's kind of does do something analytical about the about the alleged high pomposity and high art aspects of university, yes. which they trash thoroughly. Um, 
Excellent. Uh, but uh, if you go on YouTube and look them up, just, you know, I'd say cancel the next couple of days' work. <laughs> John Clark, it's always wonderful to have you through. We, we're going to do chapter after chapter about the history of humour here on Stupidly It's Small. And until next time, look after yourself. I'll do that. Stupid. All right, now we're coming to the end of the show. We've had a bit of a yap about fashion. We've had a bit of a yap about humour. And now we're just going to have a yap. Can I stop? Please. think of yap? Just stop it. Is yap lazy? I reckon it's an old man thing to say. It is an old man thing to say. And it's also, we should leave it alone now. You yap at a pub, don't you? I don't think, I'm not prone to yapping. I don't yap. You've never used yap? Oh, I don't use yap. No. Not even with a grandparent? No. No. (laughs) No. Yap is... You deploy it more when you speak to a grandparent, do you? That's well, I, I, I no longer have any grandparents, but mm. and I didn't really yap with my grandparents. I because, can't believe you say the word yap, though. Well, I had one set of grandparents that passed away when I was too young to yap. Do you know what? Who would say There's yap? a Skid Row record, yeah. And apologies to our international listeners here, but people, uh, what's his name on Home and Away? Al Stewart? Yeah. Oh, he's the yappiest yap yap in the he'd history so, of yap He'd town. so say, yeah, he'd yeah. be a yapper. What and are you kids yapping about? There you no, see wouldn't he say flapping gums? See, As to well. me, flapping gums flapping is something I'd never say. I I'd hate never that term. Had, I love that, that you're claiming that that makes you cool in some way. What? I would never say flapping gums. <laughs> who on earth says flapping gums? Elf apart Stewart? from Elf Stewart, who is a crazy over-the-top, like panto-style Australian ca- stereotype. Panto-style Australian who says flapping his gums. He does. Mm. What, what? You're accusing me of being intellectual, are you? Jesus, no, it's easy not, to be accused of I'm that not, around here. you're being a snob. Did you watch Home and Away as a kid? Uh, yeah, I've watched a bit of Home and Away in my time. Yes, I've watched that show about the beach. I remember Bobby, someone. Bobby, that was my year. Yeah, someone, Bobby, Bobby. Bobby and... Bobby and, uh, and uh, Alex Paps. Alex Paps. See, that's why I watched it. <laughs> now, can I just quickly, before we end the show, can yeah. I ask what the appeal of Alex Paps was? I have no idea. Because think, the girls were mad for him. Oh, yeah. But he had like a, a pine cone haircut and a monobrow. He just looked kind. I think that's it. He looked kind. Yeah. Oh, so I think, it was, I more, really was it do... more pity? No. He's a lovely man from all reports. No, so, no, Alex, if you do happen to come across <laughs> this, I am not going here well, at all. I'm just saying I never got the appeal and I can appreciate a man beauty. Nah, I don't know, man. I just, he was, uh, maybe he played good characters or something because he was in Henderson Kids, wasn't he? No, Ooh, maybe no, not. he wasn't. Maybe not. Anyway, whatever. Was he in Sweet and Sour? Oh, perhaps he was. Mm, let's have a look. Write it down for your okay. show notes. Now, look, right. we've yep. got to get out of here, but we've got to, just to mention something. What's inside? What's, it? what's in my phone? What's in your phone? It's wow. your turn. Because the smartphone is the world of everything. Now. Yeah. It, it contains everything basically, that I own. Basically, it's better than your brain. Well, it is because it was, actually that is proven. That's why I use it because yeah. if we come up with an idea, it goes in the phone. Yeah. But I was just thinking the other day, listening to Talkback Radio, as is my want. Yeah. And... I just want to bring to your attention the new Smug. Oh, okay, so, so what, instead of Smug and Freud or? Well, no, Smug and Freud is there forever. Yeah. Okay, and we yeah. should say good morning to uh, everyone suffering from Snug and Freud. Snug and Freud, that's another <laughs> one. Is that, where, is that where you want to snuggle? That's where you're jealous of a couple the... snuggling under the doona. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> snug and Freud is a good one. But yeah. uh, it's the new Smug. Yeah. It's one that's it's, it's grown, yeah. but it has only recently been given a name. Which is the new smug. Yeah. And that's those people that text or ring in to talk back radio. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And they're like, 
It's usually they're read out after the traffic report. Yeah. Like, oh, well, the traffic down here at Tongala West is pretty good. There's like one kangaroo and a koala. Oh. Uh, you know what I mean? Oh, it's fine. These people that are down in rural or coastal Australia outside of holiday times, they're ringing with the traffic reports and going, oh, you suckers in the city. But they're the first to ring up. And say, oh, it's so hard down here. So we're off for you city people. Oh, blah, you blah, blah. are. Uh-oh. Look at you go. Well, I'm just With saying, your little you don't theory. Think so? No, I don't think. First of all, where's oh, your there's data? There's no traffic down here. Sure, but where's your data to say it's the same person? You know there's more than one person in a no. rural town. No, I'm saying it, that's what people in these areas do. They brag you're making, about the you're, fact you're there doing, is you're no traffic. You're making a generalisation. No, I'm not, because that's what they do. What they brag about the fact that there's no traffic, and then they say what? And then they whinge mm, that they don't have trams and trains stuff. in the in the middle of the country. Mm. <laughs> what? No, I'm not nervous. I'm just rural like dubious a, a very special the... rural listener that is a, a big supporter. But what I mean is, hmm. um, talking about Andrew, we don't like that guy. Andrew, yeah, is that the guy that killed the segment? Yeah. Uh, well, he's the first guy ever to kill a segment on he, Stupidly Small. He's Sebastian Pencil's Yang. We're not even going to talk about Andrew. Okay. All right. How's Sebastian the, going? Sebastian's a lovely man. Yeah. Did he have a nice summer? He had a great summer. Yeah. But too much traffic for Sebastian. <laughs> anyway, that for me is the new smug. Agree really? or disagree? But you I know disagree with that. Good. I reckon social thoughts. media mm-hmm. can fight that uh, talk back for smug. Share your thoughts. Facebook.com forward slash stupidly big or Twitter at stupidly big. Now, don't forget, we were, we love getting mail, and every bit of mail we get yep. goes up in the studio here. P.O. Box 1436, Fitzroy North 3068. Send something. Cost you 40. Well, how much is, is a stamp? 40 cents? Ah, oh, free, isn't it? Yeah. Just draw a stamp. I'm sure that works. <laughs> and also, don't forget, yeah. iTunes. Now, we've had a bit of an iTunes coup. Can we mention that? Or is that oh, bit, yeah. Is that, is that crowing? That's definitely crowing. You're just talking about boasting. Crow your brains out, baby. <laughs> now, we made the front page of iTunes in Australia, which is lovely. It is awesome. I don't know what it means, but w- it's lovely. Well, what it means is we have excellent uh, friends listening to us. Hello, mm-hmm. listeners. And um, and it, it's thanks to you guys. So, and you, you know, thanks to you telling your mates and writing reviews on iTunes and stuff like that. It's been fantastic. So, and if you haven't already, just head to Stupidly Small on iTunes, mm-hmm. give us a rating and a comment. Keep us in business, baby. That's it, baby. Lauren, thanks to you. Thank you to John Clark for joining us today. And until tomorrow, stay smug. <laughs> smug it up. <laughs> See you, Stu.